Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Hey, what's up, rock stars? Matt Johnson back with another phenomenal conversation on the UX podcast. We were talking with Eric Pratt of Revenue River, which is a digital agency. They have grown from zero to 40 full-time employees over the last eight years in business. And uh, man, we talk about a lot of stuff in this. And and Eric is a, is a sales guy. So man, he goes fast. I love the energy of this conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it. And there, there's a few things that really stood out to me that applies directly to anyone that's building or aspiring to build their business into a UX machine. And uh, the first thing is just how much we have lost control essentially of the sales cycle and how much more the consumer is in control and what we need to do and the way that we market ourselves and the way that we think about how we sell our services has to change to keep up with the changing habits of the people that we're selling to. So we go deep on that. That's one of the, the, the things that they really specialize in is helping companies align sales and marketing and understanding that the purpose of marketing is to serve sales, which I 100% agree with. And it's very, very well said. And so we go deep on that. We also talk about what happens when you are executing kind of a long term strategy for a client, but you want to get them some quick wins. And Eric goes into kind of what, what I would call like a low hanging fruit type of analysis and to give some examples of what it is for them. But uh, it's something that we can all think about. If we are working with a client, and we know that it's going to be, you know, 12 to 18, 24 months or something before they, the flywheel really kicks in, and they really see massive results. What are some things that we can do in the short term that gets those quick wins that gets us through that dip and keeps their enthusiasm high and keeps the buy-in, keeps the morale of the team high and all that, all those good things that come when we get quick wins. So we talk about that. We also talk a, a little bit about what his personal X factors are and how that flows into their competitive advantage as the entire agency, right? So they hang their hat on innovation. Well, he, he kind of describes how that comes from his mentality, but also how they've been able to literally bake innovation and change into their team at a cultural level and how they support both like professional and personal development, how they encourage all of their, all their people to develop uh, and, and keep the pace of change high. Uh, at one point, Eric mentioned that the, most of the tools they're using didn't even exist three years ago, which is absolutely, it's, it's crazy that that is the pace of change that we're seeing in this market. Uh, and and uh, if, if you're, in, you know, coaching, consulting, especially consulting and creative agency, you're probably seeing some of those same dynamics. Um, if you're in the life coaching business or something like that, maybe not as much. You might feel like you're a little bit insulated from those changes. But remember that your clients are probably operating in those environments where the pace of change is that fast, where the you have to turn over your intellectual capital every two to three years just to keep up or stay out front of the competition. And so if we're going to hang our hats on and the competitive advantage that we have as coaches, consultants, or agency owners, if it's going to be innovation, if it's going to be staying on the cutting edge, there's a way and there's a process for how to build a firm around change and innovation so that you actually can deliver on that promise of being on the cutting edge. And that's what we go deep on with Eric. And that really goes down to what, what are our personal X factors? It does that, is that rooted in who we are authentically as a leader? And if not, where it's going to be very difficult to build a firm around that. 
It may sound good to the customer, it may sound good when we say it, that we're on the cutting edge, but if that's not rooted in authentically who we are, it's going to be very difficult to deliver, especially as our firm grows. So, man, this is an awesome conversation. Uh, I can see Eric appearing on other podcasts and talking about retain, you know, retention and culture and attracting A-level talent, which is what they've done with their agency. So I know you're going to get a ton of benefit out of the conversation. Make sure you keep tabs on what Eric is up to. Connect with them at revenueriver.co and connect with him on LinkedIn. Um, and let's jump right into the conversation with Eric. All right. Well, Eric, officially welcome to the UX podcast. Thanks so much, man. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, so how do you describe, I mean, you guys are in kind of multiple industries, you don't really, you know, confine yourself to a niche necessarily. You guys are big in the HubSpot ecosystem, but when you encounter uh, a medium sized business or something like that, that you potentially would like to work with, how do you tell them what you do? Sure. So I, I think it's really important not to, uh, to, to um, prescribe before you diagnose, right? So a lot of times it's really about understanding what people need, what they want, what their pain is. Um, but, but I think from our standpoint, very simply, we're just a digital growth agency. Uh, we help companies al align technology so they can compete and win online. Um, the world is changing and the way people do business is changing. And we're an agency that comes in and supports that sort of, of, of movement of change within organization, helps them modernize, uh, uh, helps them um, uh, align their systems and align their strategies so that they can grow. Very cool. And give us an idea, an idea, just the structure of the agency, how many, how many people just like what's your team look like? Sure. Yeah, we are uh, at 40 people now, uh, seven different departments, um, uh, agency structure is all in-house, uh, all full-time employees. Um, we uh, throw a whole bunch of people at a campaign. We definitely believe in in-house specialized resources. So the ability to, to sort of get away from uh, being a bunch of generalists and, and, and our structure is built so that we can, we can devote a, a specialist to the job at hand, regardless of the job at hand. And I would definitely say that competing and winning in the digital space is, is, is is, is very, very wide. Um, we're definitely not a point solution provider. We don't come in and just do SEO for a client. Um, mm -hmm. We execute growth plans and that takes a lot of different moving pieces at the same time. A lot of technical expertise, a lot of, a lot of creative expertise and trying to combine all those different types of resources and minds and talents and point them in one direction is what we specialize in. And what's the, what, like in terms of like a, when you call it a growth plan or a campaign, it, it implies that there's kind of a defined start and an end point. Do you have kind of an average time frame you guys like to work within where you want the client to see a certain you know results by x x time frame 12 months 18 months 36 months that kind of thing Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think that a lot of that depends on what their baseline is, what their starting point is. You know, I think it's, 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 it's wise for agencies uh, uh, to understand the current state of the union for their clients and understand how sophisticated they are, how antiquated they are, um, uh, where there's opportunities for lift. So one of the things I always tell uh, a prospect is like moving this machine, you know, building the system and getting the wheels to begin to move. It's, it's, it's very much like the flywheel concept. If you got a lot of heavy lifting on the front side, once yeah. you get the momentum going, it's, it's really, really easy to do a lot of fun things, but you have got a lot of groundwork to do on the front side. So setting expectations is important, but I also think it's very, very critical for agencies to be able to find some quick wins and some early success to be able to demonstrate value and, and, and get buy-in. So in my mind, when we, when we embark on a new engagement, we, we love to look annually and plan long-term goals for, for our clients. Um, I, I also tell them this is way more fun in year two than it is in year one. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't expect results in year one, right? right? So if we're building a plan towards annual goals, it's important that we start showing results quickly. So our, our strategy is is basically to get the, the system designed and launched quickly, um, to get things live and operational in, in a very wide scale within the first couple of months so that we can really start hitting quick wins and, and, and driving results as soon as the third month. And, and what do you find? Is there anything in particular? Is it, is it basically online lead generation? Is it getting their sales support system kind of up and running so they can close existing deals in the pipeline faster? What, what is it that typically generates some quick wins for you guys? Yeah, a lot of that really, really depends on what they have to work with. Uh, uh, it's hard to qu- build a quick win from a website if you need to spend four months rebuilding a website, right? So yeah. a lot of that comes into assessment of, of, of what's their low-hanging fruit. Maybe they've got a nice contact list that just really has has really poor data hygiene, hasn't been segmented or something like that. So you can work with maybe some existing prospects to try to uh, uh, heat up the timing a little bit. That's a great way to get some quick wins. Uh, sometimes a, a, an offer that they have that maybe hasn't been promoted very well, uh, uh, can be repackaged quickly and, and leveraged out there for some quick wins. Um, I, I think it's really, really important to have a deep understanding of, of who they are and what they have to work with and, 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 and what sort of um, contacts, leads, prospects they have to work with. I'll say that the majority of our, our clients are hiring us because they want uh, new client acquisition is all, all what it's all about, whether it's an, uh, a sale online from an e-commerce perspective, whether it's a new B2B client with complex services and long sales cycles like we work on both sides of that so the definition of a new client can differ a little bit but the motivation of our clients is almost always client acquisition um and that definitely goes beyond like basic lead generation right like mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of marketing agencies that have experienced this where you go out and think you're you're, you're killing it and you produce a whole bunch of leads and then sales <laughs> uh, kind of craps all over it right they're like yes. oh those are bad leads bad quality bad this bad this so I firmly believe that it is critical for the success of an agency to connect deeply with the sales team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really, really important that, that marketers have the mindset that their job is to serve sales, that a, yeah. a, a line goes up because a sale is made. And if you can't work effectively with sales teams, you're always going to struggle for bottom line results and new clients, um, no matter how good or plentiful the lead quality is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's really, really important to work very, very closely with sales and make sure that teams are aligned and that sales understands how to be successful with the leads that marketing provides them. Yeah, let's talk about that because that's one of the things I wanted to go deep with you on was that you, you mentioned that like essentially sales has kind of lost control of the sales cycle, like in terms of the sales rep and the sales function in our companies. So I want to talk a little bit about what you mean by that. And then we'll come back to how marketing can serve that. Because I think there's a mentality there that sales has had for quite a long time that I don't think is necessarily working. And that causes the friction with marketing that we see. Uh, And this, this goes all the way down to even just internal struggle between some of the people at the solopreneur level. Like what, what am I marketing and how am I really setting myself up for sales? So when you say the sales has lost control of the cycle, what does that actually mean on the ground? Well, I think every sale really comes down to buyers and buyer behavior has shifted. It has changed. There's, there's so much uh, uh, written about that. There's so much evidence out there. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a groundbreaking statement, right? Like the way buyers buy has changed. And so as buyer behavior changes, marketers and salespeople's behavior needs to change. And, and I think the basic premise is, is that um, uh, consumers, buyers, they're so empowered today um, by the age 
the internet and all this information out there, there are so many resources, everything's at their fingertips. And so when you have very, very empowered, educated buyers, Mm -hmm. sales has to change the way they operate. And sort of gone are the days when if I want to buy something, I go to a website and fill out a consultation form and get walked through 45 PowerPoints and 15 sales steps, right? Like um, I have the ability as a buyer to educate and qualify and check credibility, uh, check references. Like I can do all of that stuff myself. So why would I believe what's coming out of a salesperson's mouth? Um, So I think that really shifts the power from Mm -hmm. the salesperson to the buyer. And as uh, as the power shifts to the buyer, I think it's very, very important that we as marketers and salespeople are, are able to go sort of meet them where they're at, have a real firm understanding of where they're at in their buyer's journey. It's not our job to always back them up and start over. I, mm-hmm. I believe it's a salesperson's job to, to pick things up where they are now and be that helpful expert who is answering questions, providing additional information, uh, you know, resources. You're, you're trying to position a buyer to make a good decision rather than convince a, bu- a buyer that they need to buy what you're selling because of whatever. Well, yeah, and, and you know this from being in professional services, like one of the, sometimes some of the worst things that you can do is persuade someone to work with you when they wouldn't otherwise be inclined to do so because <laughs> when you're delivering from professional services, you actually have to work with them after the fact and they have to have the right belief systems. They have to have the alignment with your agency. Otherwise things do not go well, even if you make the sale. So I think there's, there's something to be said there for really for the sales function kind of changing and picking up where they're, wherever they're at in the journey and pushing them further, but not in a way that's transactional. Cause I just, yeah. Think- however. Hallelujah. That's, that's dead on. I think that it is, it is critically important for a salesperson to help a buyer uh, uh, mutually evaluate fit, especially on the mm-hmm. services side. Like fit is mm-hmm. everything. Like we are, we are not selling a commodity. This is not a transactional sale. This is ideally a long-term mutually beneficial partnership. And if we can't get along, that partnership's going to really suck. Like I think the only thing that's more expensive than like acquiring new clients and everything it takes to do that is, is, uh, battling, uh, to serve a client. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) no fun for anybody, right? That's not fun for the client. It's, it's not fun for all the people in my agency who are trying to serve those clients. Like life's too short to beat your head against the wall nonstop. That doesn't always mean that the client's bad. Certainly like sometimes that, that, that stuff that we need to address internally, I think it's really, really a a good practice to have really strong self-awareness with that stuff. And, and whenever you, you have a bad relationship, really evaluate why um, that relationship failed and what you could have done better. Um, But the end of the day, I know that the exact same people on my team, uh, working with say two different clients can have completely different experiences. And so whether that's our fault or not, we should be working really, really hard to identify what are the commonalities in those good fit clients, the clients that we know we can be successful with and really move the needle for and have a lot of fun doing it. Like this doesn't have to be torture. It's not like going to the dentist. It's got to, it, it should be fun to win. Um, and yeah. if you're just fighting each other all the time, winning is hard and it's sure as shit not fun. Well, yeah, and it, it, it creates all sorts of other systemic issues in the agency itself where the team can, can, be, can get to the point where they're not even excited to take on new clients. Yeah, morale and retention, you know, all, all sorts of stuff, uh, employee growth uh, and improvement, you know, uh, all of that stuff is affected. Uh, nobody yeah. likes to hate their job. You don't want to hate the people you're working with and you don't want you don't want to hate, hate the people sitting next to you either. So um, uh, life's too short, right? 
<laughs> yes, it is. All right, well, let's go back to the marketing and sales thing. So when you think about marketing and its function, if, if the job of sales is to kind of push them further down the customer journey, or from wherever they're starting from to where, you know, to, to the hopefully the end point of signing up with you and being aligned so that they're a good long-term, you know, two to five-year fit as a client, what do you think is the function of marketing? Is it, is it the changing of beliefs? Is it just attracting more of the right people that are already aligned and kind of weeding out the people that aren't? How do you think about that in terms of what are you teeing up for sales? Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, I, I guess a little bit stems back to our, our previous conversation is what is your ideal client type? What types of people are you targeting and and, and how are you going to, to, to bring them in? How are you going to introduce them and hand them over to sales? From my perspective, I, I, I feel like a lot of people have um, uh, sort of false paradigms here. Like they have the perception that their new business only comes in one way through one mechanism and, and in one fashion. And I think a, a, a larger way, a, a more appropriate way that business is done today on, on online and the internet or whatever in the digital world is that the, the concept of spreading yourself very, very widely and very credibly across the internet so that you can be found in all kinds of places from all sorts of content, from all types of entry points. So if you can position yourself with very strong messaging around who you are and what you do and, and, and why you're a good fit for the, a certain type of, of buyer, then I think it allows those buyers to potential buyers at that point to discover your brand, your company, your product, your service um, on their time where they hang out. Uh, uh, and so then you're no longer beating them over the head. You're no longer splattering them with messages. You're just basically positioning yourself to be found and you're positioning yourself to be very, very credible and authentic when you are found. So okay. if you think about all these ideal uh, customer types floating around out there and you think about these salespeople just waiting for more leads, I think it's, it's marketing's role to identify and and message to those people to allow them to come in when the timing is right. Timing is so important in sales. You can have the ideal customer out there floating around that is not ready to buy, and if you hammer them over the head, they're 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 gonna they're um, you're gonna have a negative effect with that, right? So it's very mm -hmm. important to position yourself for when the time is right for those ideal clients to to sort of raise their hand and self-identify that they're ready. Um, and when you do that as marketers, when you hand that over to salespeople. It's a much better experience for both the prospect and the salesperson because now they're engaging in a, in a meaningful conversation that they were both ready for. Um, and I think as marketers, a lot of the time we're so pressed to drive results, to increase traffic, to increase leads, to get higher quality leads to salespeople. Um, mm -hmm you can't force a buyer to buy. And I think that's a very important thing to understand um, in, in, in today's time is that you cannot force a, a, a buyer to buy and you need to be there for them when they're ready, uh, but you can't make them ready if they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And that's, that, that's the problem. If you're selling professional services, you've got to find the fit and you've got to just find as many people that fit, that align with, with what you're going to do. Cause it's, it's a long-term relationship. So I've got one, one, maybe one or two last questions for you before we do just let people know what's the best way to kind of learn about you guys and connect and stay up in touch with you. Yeah, um, well, we certainly practice what we preach. So you should be able to find us all over the internet. And we should be, I hope, credible once you find us. Uh, we're all over social media. Um, we've got uh, a, a lot of stuff going on right now um, in the social world with a lot of the things we do. Uh, of course, our website, revenueriver.co, uh, very easy to understand who we are and how we operate. Um, you can you can pretty much find us everywhere. Um, I am all over LinkedIn. If you need to get a hold of me, you can certainly message me there. 
Nice. Love it. All right. And uh, so one of my final questions just is about the the heart of a firm like yours, because basically you're staking your reputation on being innovative, being on the cutting edge, which is awesome. I mean, that's what clients want to an extent, but it's very difficult to deliver over time as a, any professional service because you're constantly having to build the asset, constantly having to stay on the cutting edge. That in itself is not easy to do. So how do you as an agency make sure that not only you as a person, I don't know if that's something that comes from just your strength and your interest or like, are are you the type of person that's always on the cutting edge? Do you have a partner that is that person that's always pushing things forward technologically? Well, like what's at the heart of that approach to the building an agency? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. We have a lot of conversations internally about change and how to mm. manage change and how to work through the, the, the zones of disruption and adoption. Cause anytime you change, you, you can take a step backwards before you take a couple steps forward. Yeah. Um, in our industry and in what we do, I, th- I think change is inevitable. And if you don't change, you're falling behind. And I think about the things we did just a year ago, many of them are already obsolete, uh, certainly yeah. in our minds. Um, <laughs> So, so we are faced with an absolute necessity to change or we will not stay in front, right? Like a big part of what we try to do for our clients is we stay in front of the latest and greatest technologies and tactics so our clients don't have to because that's really, really hard to your point. Um, so how we do that is is all the way down to our culture. We are um, uh, we have a, a, a culture by design that is is driven by an alignment system uh, with continual investment into personal and professional development. So we invest uh, uh, deeply with time and, and, and money, materials, and things like that into the, the continual growth of our people on a personal and professional level. So that's bigger than just like a HubSpot certification or yeah. something like that. Um, we have ongoing continual curriculums that we are always working on, um, how to be more efficient, how to be more effective, how to, how to be more customer-oriented, right? Like everything we do, um, um, from our culture uh, forward is built to be able to uh, uh, accommodate and encourage change and growth. So I, I think it's a syst- uh, systematic um, uh, uh, belief and investment into change management um, and personal and professional improvement that, that, that leads to us being able to change so quickly. Um, the other thing I'd add to that is when you change as often as we do, uh, it's a little bit easier to get your mind around and, and to embrace, right? Like when you survive a big period of change with your agency, and, and people in the agency reap a lot of benefit from that change and they see how the agency goes forward. They see how we're able to be more successful for our clients. They see how they personally uh, uh, are able to gain expertise um, and, and grow in their career. I think it becomes a lot easier to sell change the next time. So I think you yeah. got to be really, really careful when you introduce change, um, not to mess it all up, not to create a whole different thing. <laughs> Um, but on the positive side is if you can get through that change without the crater, then I, I, I think it's a little bit more ingrained, a little bit easier uh, when I stand up in front of everybody and say, hey, guys, I, uh, we're changing again. Get ready. <laughs> well, yeah. And if it permeates the culture to that extent, it's something you're talking about. You're recruiting for it. You're onboarding for it. They're prepared for it going in. They understand like, hey, this is what I signed up for. I signed up to be a marketing professional that does nothing but innovate and stays on the cutting edge. So that, that does make a difference internally in who you attract and who you retain. So that, that makes sense. 
Absolutely. It absolutely also feeds very, very closely into who we hire and why. Um, we hire on on character traits and, 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 and off of principles more than off of resumes. Um, you know, the other side of that is, why do I care if you have 10 years of experience in this industry? That just means you have eight and a half years of outdated, antiquated experience, right? Um, there, there's such a need to learn and, and, and adapt. And, and a lot of the tools that we use now didn't even exist three years ago. So what's your 10 years of experience actually going to do for me if it comes with a really shitty attitude and preconceived notions of how things should be done. So instead, we sort of flip that on its head and we hire uh, uh, people with high organizational skills, high desire, high levels of humility um, and things like that because we know that will make them adaptable um, uh, and, and, and be sort of uh, uh, right-minded uh, when those change and opportunities occur. And that's really good. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I've heard another agency owner say something similar. But yeah, that was that, that was extremely well articulated. And anybody that's building like an innovative type, like if, that, if you're going to make innovation and being on the cutting edge, your your competitive advantage in the marketplace, like there's just no other way to build an agency around like it has to be at the core of everything. Um, well, let's let's finish out with this before we shut things down. Is there anything that, you did that has just surprised any surprising things you've learned in growing the agency from, you know, essentially zero to 40 full-time employees. What's the most surprising thing that's, that's, uh, that's come up? Yeah, most surprising. I think for me, I was a uh, I was a sales guy. I've been a sales guy for 13 years. I've been a sales manager. Um, I, I dealt dealt with a lot of sales and operations, client management, and things like that. I had a marketing degree. Um, what surprised me most, uh, going out on my own and becoming an entrepreneur, really, I think like the most overlooked or uh, maybe not overlooked but underestimated facet of being an entrepreneur uh, and owning a business, owning an agency, is how critically important it is to master the financial side of things. Um, uh, what's really, uh, what was maybe the most surprising piece of that is the difference between like, uh, uh, writing revenue and collecting money, right? Like cash flow and things like that. Um, it's really, really hard to, to invest and, and, and grow your agency. If you don't have a really, really well dialed in financials, uh, uh, especially the projections, you really have to understand how to project your year and project growth and adjust constantly. Um, um, uh, I manage my financials as one of my job roles and I devote an extremely uh, disciplined amount of time to that every single week. That is a big, big piece of who we are uh, and, and how we operate. And I can't imagine at this point making the decisions I make on a daily basis without the, the, the forward visibility of a really strong projection. I'm in a real strong understanding of cash flow and how it works and where it's going. I just don't think you can move very fast um, without severe consequences, without that level of insight. And I think I really, really underestimated that on the, on the front side is like a sales yeah. guy uh, with an idea for marketing is like, Hey, let's grow this son of a bitch. And I'm, yeah. I am a very aggressive, very, uh, 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 no problem taking risk. But as you grow and as you scale and there's more and more bodies around you, like I have a responsibility now to make sure that 40 people, um, including my family on top have, uh, have opportunity to, to pay their bills next month. So, yeah, exactly. um, um, I can't just go run around shooting from the hip and like, hey, let's buy that. That sounds like a great idea. Um, so I, I definitely <laughs> underestimated the financial disciplines that are absolutely critical for success. Yeah, love it. And that, yeah, and that's an entrepreneurial skill set that you can take with you into anything and everything you do for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Like that, that skill set, like once it's built, man, it applies to everything. Gives you the ability to 
go in and, and decide who you're going to partner with. You can go buy businesses. You can partner with other things. You can take on, you know, joint venture partnerships a lot easier and more uh, with more foresight. Let's put it that way. Like once you understand that stuff, it's a cool, it's a skill set that you can apply to a lot of different things. Absolutely. Certainly with more confidence, I would mm-hmm. say, I, I, you know, it's amazing that we don't learn stuff like that in school, right? Like oh, if yeah. I could have spent four years in college learning that type of stuff instead of all the shit that I basically didn't learn, um, I, w- I would have been on a, on a much faster growth curve on all that stuff. And, uh, um, yeah. To that point, a book recommendation for anyone out there, The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman mm-hmm. is a fantastic fantastic book if you want to learn some of those principles uh uh you know a lot of the things that that all these mba students and stuff like that out there learn is very very well encapsulated in the personal mba i highly recommend that especially on a lot of the financial disciplines and understanding how how, how to scale things uh that that's a great read love it love book re- recommendations so that was awesome well let's do this uh so everybody go to, to revenueriver.co check that out uh look you up on linkedin connect with you there and I obviously want to honor your time, but there, there's a whole bunch of other things we could potentially talk about. We, I'd love to get, get you back and talk about some of the other things that you guys are doing because there were so many rabbit trails I had to unfortunately let go and just like try to keep it focused on, on the sales and marketing. But uh, I really, really appreciate it. And, and thank you so much for your time and your contribution. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed the time, Matt. Um, I would be happy to come back and help again. If you get uh, uh, any other topic that you think I might help on, I'd be glad to jump in on it with you. Hey, Rockstars, thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you, so please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work, uh, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in this space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them too, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.